Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. The Volume. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, Everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code JOHN. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 only on DraftKings Sportsbook with Code John. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsible on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas. Licensed partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing? Wednesday afternoon, beautiful day to talk some football. 
49ers, big red flag a couple weeks ago with Kyle in regards to his defensive coordinator. Today it was officially validated. Steve Wilkes, we will dive into that. As well as uh, an article I read today on, was it the Patriot way or the Brady way? And uh, I think somewhat we're missing the point of it's always the quarterback way. And uh, just some other stuff around the NFL. The Bears and Panthers, Thursday Night Football, some changes to All-Star Games, some thoughts on Al Michaels as well as the Manning cast. We will dive into it all. A lot going on. Pretty fired up today for the show. As we always do, the Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your questions answered here on the show. Very, very easy to do. If you listen on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to the 3 and Out feed anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Grateful for all of you that have. And uh, we will keep rocking and rolling. This will be the, what, my third podcast of the week? Yeah, third podcast of the week. So we had one on Tuesday, Wednesday, and this is Thursdays. I did one with Colin for uh, reaction to, for Monday, reaction to all the Sunday games. And then we'll have another one reacting to uh, Bears and Panthers as well with, with Stucky and talking some gambling. Michigan, Penn State, Connor Stallions. I feel like, I don't know why, but it kind of bothers me that Ryan Day's brother was the guy behind going after this, you know, Marine. Thank you for your service, Connor Stallions. But that, that's a story that's not dying. That's That game between those two teams, to me, is going to be the highest-rated Michigan-Ohio State game ever, as long as they're both undefeated. But with the buzz from this Connor Stallion thing, Ryan Day's colored beard, uh, just for men, lead campaign guy. But I don't even know why I'm talking about this. But let, let's talk some football. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to grab your phone. I need you to download an app. It's called the Game Time app. It's the official ticketing app of this podcast. Fastest growing ticketing app in America. You can go to anything. You can go to football games, college or pro. Basketball games, college or pro. Hockey games. I'm a big hockey guy. Went to my first game this year. It was awesome. I would highly recommend it. Concerts, comedy shows. Get out. Enjoy the world. Download that Game Time app. Subscribe uh, or buy a pair of tickets. Your first pair of tickets. When you use the promo code John, J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N, that's my name, $20 off. Cannot recommend it enough. Very easy to do. Game time app, promo code John, $20 off your first pair of tickets. Okay, let's dive into something football-wise. I've always been a big, big proponent of not believing anything coaches say and thinking a lot of stuff with press conferences you have to take with a grain of salt. You know, their job in terms of talking to the press and their job in terms of behind closed doors talking to their teams are two separate things. And I'm always cognizant of that when, when coaches talk and why I don't hold them to super high standards for not telling the truth and bullshitting. It's kind of their job. They have to protect players when people screw up or protect coaches. It is what it is. And then a couple weeks ago, Kyle Shanahan, who is one of the more candid, I would say, open coaches. And maybe it's just a lot of the younger guys are, but I don't listen enough to LaFleur and McVay to really validate that theory. But I know with Kyle, for the most part, he's very honest. After games, during the week, And he said something a couple weeks ago, just crushing his defensive coordinator. He said Steve Wilkes would would like to have that call back and simply put, it's not an acceptable call in the situation. Now, granted, this was a call against the Minnesota Vikings, not at the end of the game, not a play call that cost him a touchdown in the fourth quarter. This was at the end of the first half. They ran a zero blitz, left his corner, who's highly paid, $15 million a year, Charvarius Ward, in one-on-one coverage, 
with a rookie. The ball went right through his hands. Jordan Addison catches the ball, takes to the house, and, you know, proved to be a pretty big play in the grand scheme of things in the game. There was still a half to be played. But the moment he did that, and he basically threw the guy under the bus, even though the way coaches talk behind closed doors to their other coaches, to their players, definitely can be uncomfortable. They have uncomfortable conversations. The NFL is a sport full of being uncomfortable. 24-7, 365. As an assistant coach, as a player, as a head coach, as a GM, as an exec, as a scout. Part of the business. Comes with the territory. But publicly, for the most part, it's why we crushed Zach Wilson last year when he wouldn't take accountability. It's not even that you're pointing the finger at you. It's just that you're not pointing the finger at anyone else. right? It's all kind of stupid when you think about it in the grand scheme of things. But that's why the coaches and the quarterbacks typically take all the responsibility. They're the highest paid guys. They're the most public figures. And they just take the shine in terms of a negative light off everyone else. And when Kyle Shanahan did that, I immediately theorized. He's not doing that because of us on the outside, the fans, the media, whatever. He's doing that because his players are starting to turn on this guy. His star players on that side of the ball, one of the better units over the last, I don't know, four or five years, aren't feeling this and aren't on board with what's going on. And they've had back-to-back coordinators in Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans go on to be head coaches but pretty unique figures when they were in the organization. They were both on the sideline. I would say they had this younger, obviously both guys are younger, but this vibe to them that just was perfect. D'Amico did play in the league. Robert Sala feels like a former NFL player. Their energy was palpable, and clearly they knew these guys really well. I mean, D'Amico came in with Sala as, I think, as a quality control guy, worked his way up as a position coach, and ultimately became the coordinator. And then today, it was announced that Steve Wilkes will go from the booth to the field, where obviously D'Amico Ryans and Robert Sala was. To me, it reflects back to what Kyle Shanahan did by throwing this guy under the bus publicly to show his players that I have your back. The next day, then Steve Wilkes, before he's even asked a question in his weekly press conference, he goes, I would like that one back. I screwed up. I said, what is going on? I've been following NFL press conferences forever. This is the type shit that happens to a winless team, to a team that's going to be drafting in the top five, not a Super Bowl contender. I went, they got a problem. And I thought for, I mean, before it actually happened, I thought this guy might get fired during the bye week. Now, they don't have anyone on staff to take his job, but him coming from the booth to the sideline, this is not some 33-year-old first-time coordinator. This is a guy who's been in the league almost two decades This is a guy that almost just became the head coach for a second time, full-time with the Carolina Panthers. So, to me, this is just not going well. And I know statistically through the Dallas game, when they were 5-0, their defense was awesome. But clearly there is a line of communication where not everyone's on the same, same page. And to me, it starts with Fred Warner and Nick Bosa. They ain't feeling this guy. Because you don't make changes like this when you're winning with a veteran coach if things aren't weird. And... They wanted to hire Vic Fangio, but Kyle, you know, hesitated to change his defense. Vic's more of a 3-4 guy, and they run a true 4-3 defense. What Pete Carroll, you know, it's morphed over the years, but a 4-3 zone defense. And Dante Whitner, who played for the Niners, who now does stuff locally, and Richard Sherman has, has talked about this, said Steve has tried to mesh 
a lot of man concepts with zone concepts, and everything's out of off kilter. Everything's out of whack. And when you're an elite team with highly paid guys, literally the highest paid defensive end, the best middle linebacker, star players surrounding them, and you're in win-now mode, there's no margin for error. So to me, Steve Wilkes, officially, unofficially a couple weeks ago, his clock started. Like, he's going to be one and done as a defensive coordinator. Now it's official. Because let's face it, like, let's use the Cowboys as an example. Whether the defense fucks up or not, Mike McCarthy would never throw Dan Quinn publicly under the bus. One, he respects him too much, knows how good he is, and two, you just don't do that to somebody. But he started doing it last year at the end of the season to who? Kellen Moore. What happened? It was clear by the time the season ended, Kellen Moore wasn't going to be on the Cowboys. So the moment you start publicly pulling the bus and driving it over one of your assistant coaches, it's over uh, if you don't win big. So to me, the only way Steve Wilkes survives... Like, I think they'd have to win the NFC Championship game. And if their defense underwhelms as the season progresses or in the playoffs, adios. <laughs> it's over. They already told you. This is not college football. You don't do things like this. Even going back to a couple weeks ago, you don't publicly drive a, you drive the bus over your assistant. But you do when you lose belief in them. And listen, that's part of life. Part of me believing in you in a production-based business is you producing <laughs> this is very black and white. This is not a complicated industry. You either win or you don't. You either play good defense or you don't, right? And right now, the 49ers are losing and playing poor defense, and all eyes are on Steve Wilkes moving forward. Charles Robinson, who's covered the NFL for as long as I've been around it and definitely talked about it, wrote a long article today, and I would say the premise of it was is it was never the Patriot way. It was the Brady way. And he kind of concluded the article that if Bill would have gotten his way and been able to transition and get rid of Brady in like 17, 18 and go to Jimmy Garoppolo, that it would have also ended like this. And I'd push back a little bit. I think that version of Jimmy is a lot version than the guy that we see that just got Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler relieved of their duties. But I don't disagree with him. Because I would argue, beside Bill Parcells, in my lifetime, All the coaches who have been quote-unquote big-time have had a star quarterback. Bill Parcells is the only guy, and he happened to have, I don't know, the greatest defensive player in the history of the league, essentially as his quarterback in Lawrence Taylor. But from Walsh to Montana, to Holmgren to Favre, to now Andy with Mahomes, and Belichick and Brady, to become an all-time great, to become a Hall of Fame-level guy, you have to have a Hall of Fame-level quarterback. Now, and part of that typically is not just their play, but their character, their leadership. Like, young Favre, the Holmgren version, was beloved. Got along with everybody. Was the heartbeat of that team. Joe Montana, buddies with everyone on the squad. So when you get the total package, the player, the character, uh, we've talked about this with Joe Burrow. Your organization becomes a rocket ship. Let's say the Bengals win a Super Bowl this year. And Zach Taylor has on his resume three straight conference championship games, a Super Bowl appearance, and a Super Bowl championship. Like, let's face it. Google how many guys have that resume. Not many. And this gets back to you can only do that with a great quarterback. I will defend Belichick unlike McDaniels and Patricia and Judge and a lot of these coaches who you wouldn't want in 50 miles of your team if you're a fan, an owner, or a general manager. I do think Bill, if you give him a capable quarterback, 
has proven over and over and over again that he can win, that he can build the team, that he can function as a GM and as a coach. Now, at 71, 72 years old, has he lost his touch? Has he lost a lot of coaches? Is it not the same? 100%. But the Patriot way, of course it was the Brady way. The Chiefs were pretty good when they had Alex Smith. They became a fucking powerhouse with Mahomes. Did Andy just all of a sudden get smarter? No. Right? Is Phil Jackson the greatest basketball mind of all time? Or does he benefit from being able to have Kobe, Shaq, Michael? <laughs> like Part of being a great coach is having a great player. And usually when your great player is also your most competitive, your best leader, it all funnels down. Antonio Pierce said this the other day when he, was, when he took over. And he talked about in his experience with the Super Bowl team. He said the best teams are player-run operations. The best operations, what do they always say about successful companies? They're, they're not about the walls on the outside. They're about the people on the inside. It's no different with a football team. It just happens to be that position has such a, uh, you know extraordinary amount of power, of juice, of eyeballs on them. So when you get the right guy, it's why we talk about it so much during the draft. It's why this quarterback draft... It's why everyone, the moment Caleb Williams went and cried with his mom, everyone had a fucking opinion. If that was Marvin Harrison Jr. or, you know, the wide receiver from Florida State, I'm just trying to think of some of the top prospects, the top, the offensive lineman from Arizona or Penn State, no one would even have talked about it, wouldn't even have noticed. But it was Caleb Williams. If that would have been Drake May or Michael Penix, it would have been the same thing. Everyone would have had to take is this guy tough enough to be your starting quarterback? No one gives a shit when it's your guard, right? Or your running back. It would have been like, ah, oh, you know, the guy's emotional, man. His mom, that's a cool moment. But when it's quarterback, everyone's nitpicking. Is this guy mentally tough enough to be the leader of a franchise? That's why everyone's short in Mac Jones. Just not good enough. Whiny. Country club kid. Not talented enough. You will lose. If Andy Reid had Mac Jones, or Kyle Shanahan had Mac Jones, or Pete Carroll had Mac Jones, guess what? They would have issues. It would not be going well. Whenever I hear this notion that Mac Jones would have been fine on the 49ers, I want to throw up in my mouth. Maybe it would have looked better than it has in New England because they have more talent around them. But they by no means would be as good as they were a couple years ago with Jimmy, and now they are with Purdy. Because those guys are way better players than him. That's not an opinion. That's an objective fact. I said it when the season started. Mac Jones was going to get everyone fired. Bill didn't become an idiot overnight. Now, his staff has gotten worse over the years, but Mac Jones was his problem. If you gave Bill Belichick, let's just pick Kirk Cousins, they're competing to be a wild card team. And you're like, God, that's a feisty little squad. But you give him a shitty quarterback, just like you give any coach a shitty quarterback, you're going to lose. So, of course, the Patriot way was the Brady way. <laughs> Is the Chiefs way the Mahomes way, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's the way it works. That's part of the deal. Not that Bill didn't have a huge say in that as well, but without that guy, you have no way. You, you just lose. That's the way it works in football. I was thinking about this today because I was, I was listening to this to some of Bill Simmons' podcast at the gym, and I love it when, you know, he's... Windhorse has been talking about this forever. I actually listen to a lot more NBA content. Like, I don't really watch NBA games. Simmons and some Warriors podcasts. Like, I actually listen to a lot of NBA podcasts. Jason Timph here on the volume does a good job. Obviously, Draymond, when he's rocking and rolling, it can be pretty entertaining. And Simmons was just crushing Adam Silver, who's the worst commissioner in the history of the league. 
And I mean, they've lost half their audience. The, the, the league is much more powerful as a podcast entity, as a YouTube entity than it actually is as a television product. And I, I was thinking like the, the NFL has a lot of advantages in 2023 relative to the other two sports. Baseball, you play every day. Like, I'm sorry, too much is going on. We have such small attention spans. There's too much to do. We got too many fucking options. Unless you're the ultimate seam head, you're not sniffing more than like a game a week. You're just not. The average person, and the ratings reflect that. Same thing with the NBA. If I took the two worst teams, I, I saw my guy Ethan Sherwood Strauss uh, has a fantastic sub stack, and, and he writes about how in trouble the NBA is with their future television deal, right? And just the the way television has changed dramatically and just relative to their numbers, like they're not going to get what they think they're going to get financially. And honestly, it could be worse. It could be the first media deal that goes down or at least stays the same. They're not doubling or tripling it. Like that ship has passed. And part of it is because you can't take two random teams who are terrible and put it on TV and expect anyone to care and expect anyone to watch because they don't in baseball or basketball. When you put two shitty teams on television, the consumer does not sit on his couch and give you his time, which is by far, I mean, honestly, it's the most valuable thing we have in life. But for a lot of these businesses, especially these pro sports league, the most valuable thing you can give them is your time to watch their game. It's how they make their money. And the more you do that, the more the TV networks wants to keep want to keep re-upping or these streaming services want in on their business. That's the, that's the lifeblood of all their cash, right? What's the lifeblood of college football or basketball? Recruiting? What's the lifeblood of pro sports now? Time. Yours. Sitting on the couch watching their events. And football is still the only event where you can put arguably the two worst teams on television. You could put the Giants right there now with Tommy DeVito. The Bears and Panthers on Thursday Night Football. And I've said forever, football's not going to stay on top my entire life. Hopefully it does another 20 years because I'm in the prime of doing this and I can do this into my 60s talking about football and it rips and roars. But there's going to come a time when I'm alive, assuming I live a long time, that football will fall off. Not off a cliff, but will come back to earth. Nothing stays on top forever. Whether it's Rome or, or whether it's fucking Pepsi and Coke. Things ebb and flow. Doesn't mean you can't have a long shelf life. And they're in the prime of it right now. Of being the only event where you can get 10 million people to watch. 9.2 million people. Now granted, these were the best team in the league over the last five years, the Chiefs. In the Miami Dolphins, one of the more fun teams in the league uh, over the last two years. On television, did almost 10 million people at 6.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. 9.30 a.m. on Sunday Eastern Time. That's pretty crazy. That shows you the power. Now, this is going to test it. Thursday Night Football on Amazon, Bears-Panthers. Now, I, I, I could act like a tough guy and be like, if I didn't do this for a living, I wouldn't watch. I, I would. <laughs> I would have it on my TV. I, I would, you know, I'm sure if I didn't do this for a living, I would probably play fantasy football. I, I definitely, I mean, I, I might bet this anyway. Kind of like the Panthers in this spot. Not really, but actually I probably wouldn't. It's a hard game to bet. But regardless, I would have it on. Just like most of you. We'll just have it on in the background. And that's the power of the NFL. You can put two teams that are starting. The dude from Shepherd College, Bagenit. I always screw up his name. One thing the Panthers have, even for being probably headed to have the worst record in the league, they got Bryce Young, who was a superstar in college. That's another element that the NFL has separated from, for example, basketball. College football is the second biggest sport currently in America. 
So Drake May and Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. and all these players get to become stars, right? It's the big issue I have with live golf. What the PGA Tour does is it creates stars. At live golf, you can't create any stars if you just buy them all. Part of having a league is creating stars. What is C.J. Stroud becoming before our eyes? A potential NFL star. But the dude was already a big-time star in college because he played at Ohio State, multiple-year starter. They have that built-in advantage of having college football being so massive, all the biggest brands produce the most NFL talent, and we get to watch them and know them. Like when I was a kid, all the guys playing in the NBA, I knew. Why? Because I watched them play college basketball. From Allen Iverson to Shaquille O'Neal to you name it, right? And obviously the one-and-dones change the game and then going straight from high school, which I'm not saying I actually care. It's another thing. Media people are always like, that is, that is not right. That, that is not fair. It's not about fair or not fair. It's just about what is the best for the business. And right now for the NFL, the best thing that could ever happen in the business, whenever I hear media people like, there shouldn't be a draft. Fuck that. The reason this is all creates, this is all about interest. Everything we do is about having people care. And what does the draft do? It creates interest. Fair or not, I don't know. I don't even give a shit. I just care about how important that moment is for the lifeblood of everyone in the league. That, that helps lead to more money for everyone. Does it suck that some guys have to go to teams that they don't want to go to? Sure. But does it ultimately, that guy turns out to be good, lead to more money in his pocket? Hell yeah. So I, I just think that Thursday night will test us. But ultimately, even if it's the lowest rated game of the year, I, I think it still shows the power of the league. And another story I saw today about All-Star Games, you know, forever to plan an All-Star Game, East-West Shrine Game, uh, obviously the Senior Bowl, you had to be a senior. You, ha- you had to have graduated college or have uh, used all your eligibility as a player. So a lot of times when you go to the East-West Shrine Game or the uh, Players' Union Bowl or the HBCU All-Star Game, or any of them, it it was maybe a couple, I mean, the Senior Bowl had the best prospects, but on a given year, maybe a couple first-rounders and a lot of second to seventh-round players, right? And today they announced that underclassmen, so for example, Caleb Williams or Marvin Harrison Jr., or any guy that has more years left of college eligibility, is eligible to play in these games, which in theory is like, God, that's awesome. Well, none of those guys are going to play in the Senior Bowl, right? No guy that's going in the first round who's an underclassman would risk playing in that game. There's not a lot to gain, especially a top 15, 20 prospect. So that won't change much. Now, all of a sudden, you're not going to see Drake May and Caleb Williams playing in these games. Where I do think you will see guys is some underclassmen, and I don't blame them, don't like school. I'm like, this is a waste. I don't want to attempt to stay eligible. NIL's cool, but like I just want to play in the, the NFL. I'm ready to go. But based on my resume and my tape, my agent and everyone's telling me, you're going to be a third or fourth round pick. Before, if that guy came out early, the only way he could increase his stock is the combine and the pro day, which has nothing to do with football. Right? Belichick has famously said forever, like we don't pay you to uh, bench press and run 40s. We pay you to play football. So that's where the Senior Bowl, I mean, there have been guys, obviously, like the Lane Johnsons, Aaron Donald, Ziggy, Ziggy Ansas, who have gone there and just dominated. You're actually playing football. You're in pads, going live in practice against other guys who are going to be drafted high. 
So I would expect a lot more of those guys, you know, the third, fourth, maybe even a second round guy to have the opportunity to be like, what if this guy just shows that he's an equal and goes from like pick 60? Like maybe we should think about this guy at the end of the first, early in the second round. So I, I don't think, I think the headlines will be like, Caleb Williams is now eligible to play in the senior bowl. Caleb Williams or whoever that is, Trevor Lawrence, or you, you name the player, will never play in that game. Nor should he. It's, he has nothing to gain. But the random guys, and they're not random once they're in the NFL, but the underclassmen who are not locks to get drafted in the first round, and maybe even the second round, to me, are, should and will play in those games. A couple other things. I saw today Al Michaels said that he, has, he plans on coming back in 2024, that he has no desire to step away, and that, like John Madden, when he no longer feels he's good at it, or has the same passion, he'll walk away. And I want to say this, and I say this over and over with Al, he's an all-time legend. He's an all-time great. It's hard. There, there might be, the rest of my life, a couple versions of Al Michaels, right? Maybe. Not even. It's going to be harder to, because back some of the games he called, whether it was the the Quake World Series, or the you know the 1980 hockey, like there, there just aren't as many just important moments that all of us are watching. It's it's so segmented. So there might, honestly, there might never be another Al Michaels. But I was thinking about, like, the shitty part about being shot at your job is, like, everyone knows it before you. And I, I, I compare him a lot to Marv Albert. Marv Albert is a fucking legend. Like, an all-time great. When I think NBA, I think Marv Albert. But by the end, Marv Albert was terrible. He couldn't say guys' names. He didn't know what was going on. Think about it from a playing perspective. Peyton Manning is one of the greatest players any sport I'll ever watch in my entire life. I loved watching Peyton Manning play football. I loved when I worked in the NFL, talking to people that had been on teams with Peyton Manning, that had worked either in the front office or on the coaching staff with Peyton Manning, and just talking about Peyton Manning. But that last season was not Peyton Manning. I went to a game when the Raiders played him, and the, he could barely throw the ball. Charles Woodson, ironically, picked him off twice in that game. He'd never picked him off in his career. And one of the picks down the sideline, I remember just watching it float in the air. Now, Peyton never had, he was never Brett Favre throwing the ball. But, like, that was not Peyton Manning. That, that was a shell of himself because his arm was done. No, no different than, like, because I saw Florio wrote, everyone's going to miss him. Yeah, we missed the Al Michaels. Just like we missed the Brent Musburger. Or we missed the Marv Albert. Just like I, that last year... Even though he did win the Super Bowl, his team did. Von Miller Super Bowl MVP. That was not the Peyton Manning. Like the Peyton Manning we missed was years before. So I know it's hard, and I, I don't know if not saying that Amazon's gonna have better options in terms of name recognition, but in terms of like this version of Al Michaels, and it feels like I'm talking shit, and I'm really not. Like his career is unprecedented. It's beyond special. He is He's one of the rare guys that I don't care who you are, you just liked listening to call your sporting events. But this version that we're hearing now is not that guy. He's just not. So, you know, I understand why. And listen, he can talk shit about social media and everyone being negative on it all he wants. And there's some truth to that from a macro level. But about his specific situation, they're not wrong. The other thing I saw is uh, the Manning cast. The Manning cast, and I was thinking about this because the other night, 
I was at home, and I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. I've loved Arnold's entire life, like his entire career, from lifting and pumping iron to easily my favorite action hero of the 80s and the 90s. I've watched every Arnold movie 50 times. I can't get enough to now this version of him hanging out with his donkeys. Lola, and I forget the other donkey's name, and the donkey came on, I saw it going viral. And I, I tried to watch it for a second with with uh, Peyton and Eli. And let me say this, I love Peyton and Eli. Like I said, I was a diehard Peyton Manning guy. I've always had a lot of respect for Eli Manning. I would love to hang out with him. I'd love to drink beer with him. I'd love to golf with him. I'd love to have him on the podcast. But as a viewer and as a consumer, because that's what I am first and foremost, no different than anyone else, when I was just trying to watch the Monday night game, I remember loving them when they first came on because the broadcast was atrocious. It was unwatchable. From the Booger to the Jason Witten to the to the greasy Lewis. And listen, I, I work with Lewis. Uh, but him and Levy, like that, it's just, that, that was not what this is. Like this, you turn it on with Troy and Joe, feels like a real high-level, big-time NFL broadcast. It might not be Madden and Summerall, but it's relative to the rest. It's pretty damn good. And it feels big again. And I noticed as a consumer, like I used to for that year, every time they were on, just watch the Manning cast. And I tried to watch with Arnold. I'm like, there's always a little delay. It's always a little awkward. I'm like, I don't even want to watch this right now. Not because I don't want to hang out with Peyton or hang out with Eli or even hang out with Arnold. I just don't. I just want to watch the fucking game. And now that the game is much more fluid because of the broadcast, and listen, you got to give credit to ESPN. They may be, uh, you know, burning cash at a rapid rate, but hiring those guys away from Fox might have saved Monday Night Football. And I think a big reason that the Manning cast, they basically their viewership has been cut in half over the last couple years, and it's kind of understandable. And I think a big reason for that is it's reflective of Joe and Troy. It's much easier to just watch the broadcast. And let's face it, like if I wanted to just watch those guys host a podcast and bullshit, It'd be easy, but I'm actually trying to watch the game. And I think about this, like when I've tried to watch, you know, the McAfee do college games, you know, and I don't blame these networks for trying. I don't blame these guys for doing it, trying to be entertaining. But like when I'm trying to watch a game, I just want to watch the fucking game. I just want to watch the game. And then after, if these guys want to give their after reaction, then maybe I'll tune in, right? If it's good enough. But during the game, just too much going on. I just want to watch it. And I think the consumer has shown that, they're in agreement. They just want to watch the game. Why? Because it's much easier to watch. There's no more broadcasters that should not be in that situation. I don't blame any of those broadcasters for accepting those jobs on Monday Night Football. They 100% had to say yes. None of them should have been on it. This that, that product is, you know, Troy Aikman, John Gruden, John Madden. It's a big-time show. We're, we're talking 15, 20, 25 million people. It's one of the biggest shows we have in America, and we have my entire life. And ESPN got cheap for a minute, and it backfired. In fairness, like when Gruden left, they were kind of screwed, but they kind of got their swag back. And you can talk, listen, if you don't like Buck or Aikman, I I get it, but I think even you would have to admit that, like, they feel big time. Don't miss the action this weekend when the Colts and the New England Patriots head to Germany for the NFL Frankfurt Games. These games will air on NFL Network and stream on NFL Plus. For a limited time, Verizon customers can get Netflix and NFL Plus for $25 a month with Plus Play. That's $120 in annual savings. Plus Play is a platform where Verizon customers can shop, manage, and save 
on the subscriptions you already love, like NFL Plus. With NFL Plus Premium, you get access to live games on mobile, NFL Red Zone, and NFL Network, which means you can catch the Frankfurt games and save. Just go to verizon.com slash the volume to bundle and save before the games. Hurry, this offer ends soon. Again, that's verizon.com slash the volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older, and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco-alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Okay, let's rattle off. I'm going to try to rattle off a lot of mailbag questions. Hey, John. First time listener of the pot. First time mailbagger. A long time listener. Listen to you talk about how Lane Kiffin and the job he's done with Ole Miss had me thinking, could Lane work in the NFL with a good staff, D.C. around him? Would he be an upgrade over, say, McDermott to take the Bills to the next level? Or is Lane the type of guy to only work in college? I think Lane 100% could work in the NFL. His family has a long background. 
right? His dad was a longtime coach, uh, one of the best defensive coordinators ever. His brother has bounced around college in the NFL. Lane, while it was a short stint, has been a coach in the NFL. I wouldn't even count that, but 100%. I mean, he worked for Nick Saban for several years. It was basically an NFL operation. So, yeah, I, I think Lane, I think the only question mark with him will be, is there are some questions, <laughs> I think, with him off the field. But, listen, what we always, I said it earlier on the podcast, bottom line business. It's very black and white. You win or you lose. And he wins a lot. If he has Ole Miss now several years in a row in the top 25, maybe they didn't make it last year because they lost a bunch of games at the end of the season, but a couple years ago they were really good. Now they're really good. Lane's been awesome. Have a question for the mailbag. First off, fan of the podcast, a couple years now, great content. What, in your opinion, would be the best case scenario for the Bears? Is Justin Fields still the better option or would you got would one of the guys coming out of college next year give us a better chance of winning as a longtime Bears fan? The losing seasons have been pretty bad. I would agree. There's nothing worse. There's nothing like football, man. Because you get you get built up so like throughout the offseason, especially once you get a guy like Fields, that even it's so easy to go, well, this is the year he takes a step. And obviously how slow it started, and then he had the couple games where he threw, whatever, eight touchdowns, and now he's injured. I think it's over. Uh, I think as long as they get the number one pick, they will draft Caleb Williams, they will trade Justin Fields, and they will use the other pick on someone else. Now, what is Justin Fields' value? I guess it would depend whenever he comes back how he looks. My guess is probably like a third or fourth round pick uh, at best. So, you know, I, I think the Justin Fields era, I think it will be easy to somewhat defend them because they were so dysfunctional. The coaching staff was so over their head. The organization was in such shambles. But I think it's unofficially already over, I, I would say. You beat Carolina, as you should on Thursday night. Like, you're getting the number one pick. And, you know, Justin Fields, I, I was a huge fan of him coming out of college. I, I would say when you watch him play, though... You know, you kind of know quickly, and there's a passing element to his game. Obviously, he's got a big arm. But even some of the touchdowns that he threw when he had the eight touchdowns in the couple games, like week three and four, I mean, some of that's just DJ Moore being, like, a freak, you know? So, like, you watch C.J. Stroud, he doesn't look like that. Maybe it's Philly and me, but every time you do a game-time spot, all I hear is promo code John. Love it. Really enjoy listening to you. Wasn't even a question. Curious your thoughts. I'm a USC fan and have been watching Caleb for two years. He's a talent, but I wonder about his ability to read defenses from the pocket. I know USC's offensive line is garbage, but it seems he only makes big plays by running around for eight seconds. Do you think this will be a problem for him in the NFL? When he couldn't run versus Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, he was completely ineffective. I know people that aren't the biggest Caleb fans relative to the hype. Right? It's all it's all relative to the hype. People will be like, listen, obviously he's a big-time talent, but relative to this can't-miss all-time great prospect, they just disagree. They don't view it that way. Now, every individual is different. And one thing I heard, I know one guy who has Drake May over Caleb Williams says that. In the context of an offense, he kind of can be hit or miss. Now, as a playmaker, as a scrambler, as a scrambler and thrower... He's fucking elite. 
his ability to make things happen, and you can be a great player like that. Russell Wilson built a Hall of Fame career on that. Maybe not anymore, but Deshaun Watson became a star doing that. And I think he's way more talented than both those guys. But yeah, I think the question mark is, can you just sit in the pocket and read a defense, play in and play out? Now you could argue, do you have to do that? Right? Like Kyle Shanahan's offense gets you a lot on the move. Andy Reid will get you on the move. Pete Carroll let you move around. So you kind of have to play to your player's strengths. But that, that would be the question. And part of sitting in the pocket, well, what's the knock on him? He's not that tall. Well, if, you, if you're six feet tall and you're standing behind three guys that are 6'4 and 6'5, do you, do you see very well? Of course not. But if you're 6'5, six, 6'6, six, six, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, it's much easier to see when guys are your height or a little shorter. And I think that is one thing that can be difficult for shorter quarterbacks. It's why I think people like Drake May. He's 6'5. Chargers fan. Staley's first two years were underachievements with zero playoff wins. But how do you see the Chargers season playing out the final nine games? I do believe Staley has righted the ship with a special teams coordinator and offensive coordinator hires. And the energy of the defense has never looked better under Staley. Sometimes it takes time for young coach to develop, especially Staley, who really didn't have NFL experience or connections a few years ago that he has now. Listen, your guy's talent when Joey and Khalil are rushing like that and Derwin James is lighting guys up and Herbert's making plays and Keenan Allen, obviously Mike Williams is gone for the year. Eckler had an awful game, but he's a really good player. Your, your talent on the team is pretty good. I, I can never get behind just Staley in general. The way he talks, his, his inclination to go for it when not a soul in the world would go for it. But I will give you this. I like the Kellen Moore hire. Even though I was, I didn't. He was driving me nuts the other night. Like, run the ball, bro. I don't care if it's me running the football. Run it three times. Punt. They can't score. This the the point of football is not to get your guys the most pass attempts or yards. It's to win the game. But they definitely look better now. They played the Jets, and I forget who who they played two weeks ago. Big game this week. I, I think this is a big week. I think it's a huge week. It's honestly one of the better games on the schedule. Schedule is not great this week. Might be the best game of Sunday. It's definitely, beside Niners-Jags, the game I'm most interested in. Like, do the Lions just roll out to L.A.? Is it 80% Lions fans? Do they shove it down the Chargers' throats? Or do the Chargers just look like they did the other night? And physically, like, Joey Bosa and Khalil are fucking bringing it. It's obviously a little easier to pass on the Lions than it is the Jets, but I'm excited to watch that game. So you win that game, then you play the Packers, like you're probably a playoff team. You lose that game, you're probably more of that 8-9, 9-8 team. You win this, like I would say 10-7 and is on the table, which isn't bad after the start you guys had. Question for the mailbag. Been a lifelong Falcons fan and apparently a sucker for pain. What is Arthur Smith doing in Atlanta? How are we doing sweeps to Jonu Smith with Kyle Pitts blocking and Bijan on the sideline? I feel like the way he refuses to use his players, his star players, is and losing the Vikings Sunday should be a fireable offense. Totally agree. When you lose games like that to a fifth-round quarterback who gets KO'd to a guy who showed up three or four days ago that doesn't know guys on the team's names, let alone the playbook, it's hard to shake. It really is. And be like, well, you lost to Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. 
and John Randall, right? That, that ain't the case. That's not who the Vikings were rolling out. You only get so many of those losses. Michael Lombardi's been saying it for a while, and he's dead right. That was Josh McDaniel's downfall. He had the worst freaking losses possible. Arthur Smith's now have a couple of these. And I saw today a headline that Heineke's going to be their quarterback, and they don't plan on going musical chair. So basically what he's saying is Ritter's not the guy we're going to roll with Heineke. They're not going to make the playoffs with Heineke. And I actually kind of like Heineke, and he's better than Ritter. But the quarterback, to roll into the season with that many skill guys, and obviously they're improved on defense personnel-wise, and to go, we're going to roll with Desmond Ritter, I just don't think you can do that. I, 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 you can't. You're not going to win the division. The Saints are going to win, and that division stinks. It's not like the Saints are any good. I was just about done with Jordan Love. Then I watched him play the Rams this weekend. Honestly, they look like a very poorly coached team. Constant penalties, fumbles, couldn't run the ball at all, always in third and long. I wonder if it's fair to make a judgment on Jordan Love when it seems like LaFleur has no control over the offense. I'd be lying if I said I watched a lot of that game. So I, it's hard to give a true assessment on that Jordan Love performance. I'm with you. It feels like LaFleur, the buttoned-up elements of the squad aren't really there. Now, they've had a bunch of injuries. I will say this. When I've watched just Jordan Love, not Rams game withstanding, I think he's gotten progressively worse. I hear you. You typically look worse when a team is discombobulated, when you're turning the ball over in other aspects of beside interceptions, penalties. But, and listen, maybe LaFleur... He was just a product of Rodgers. I don't know. I, I kind of liked him, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I would say Jordan Love's Packer career is in major doubt. But I hear you. I mean, it might be, maybe we should also question, okay, Jordan Love might not be the guy, but are we sure LaFleur is? I think that is very valid. Now, I the dynamics of that franchise, I think people have asked me this before, and I, I was texting with a guy a while back, and we were talking about, like, could Jim Harbaugh go to the Packers? I, I just don't see them firing those two guys. Those two guys are getting another quarterback. They, they just are. Because they didn't screw the Packers with this quarterback. Aaron ultimately wanted out. It was time. You could argue they were right. I mean, was, if you view Achilles like a tire or something, it was bound to pop. Uh, but they didn't screw themselves financially with this kid. To me, they would be in major trouble if they had picked up his fifth-year option. You'd be like, do these guys know what they're doing? But they didn't. They gave him just a joke contract. So it's not going to hurt them at all. And they basically just used him to get out of this financial situation that they were in this year. So if it wasn't good, it's like, whatever, we'll just move on. I think they get another quarterback. And then I think the heat will, I think the heat starts next year with whoever their quarterback is on the floor and probably Gudikins. I'm not a Bucks fan, but really like Baker. I think he's a lot better than you and your boy Colin give him credit for. He has been through the ringer when it comes to dysfunction. He currently has a higher QB rating than Jimmy G and Derek Carr, and basically the same rating as Trevor Lawrence, with more TDs than all of them, without any kind of running game. Yet you constantly rank Carr and Jimmy G top 10 to 15 quarterbacks and Lawrence as a tier one. Well, Jimmy G 100% isn't a top 25 quarterback this year, and Derek Carr has not been good either. So in 2023... Baker Mayfield has been better than those guys. I don't disagree with you. Now, he went through a stretch previously to the last... Who are they just playing? I was watching that game. Who beat them? Oh, C.J. Stroud. He was pretty good in that game. He made a lot of nice throws in the game against the Texans. 
but previously he had not been playing well. And I would agree, like, I give him a lot of credit for not just resurrecting his career, but kind of resurrecting the character around his career. He's having a nice job. But is he better than Jimmy G right now? Of course. Jimmy G fucking sucks. And Derek Carr has been one of the biggest disappointments given what they've paid him so far this season. But if you told me over the second half of the season, am I betting on Derek or am I betting on, on Baker, I'd probably still bet on Derek. With Amp gone, any place to check out live reactions after primetime games? I don't think we have a place to do a live reaction, but the YouTube, I record the podcast slash YouTube right after Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, or not Sunday Night Football, I do it with Colin after the afternoon games, and then uh, Thursday Night Football, all the primetime games besides Sunday Night Football, so it could just be Monday night and Thursday night, we put on YouTube right away. Pat's fan here. Is Jonathan Vilma friggin' nuts? He said on live TV that Mac Jones shouldn't have thrown a pass that hit TikTok boy right in the hands. <laughs> Screw this sorry team. They ruined Mac Jones after his rookie year. You can't expect a guy who obviously needs help around him to succeed when your highest paid wide receiver is TikTok boy. At this point, I hope we keep losing so we can get Caleb Williams, preferably Drake May. And hopefully Mac Jones is able to find a landing spot because I love the kid. He's just not going to be able to succeed with less talent. Well, I don't disagree with you about Mac Jones. The only chance he has to be a serviceable player, like to be his ceiling would be somewhere like 16, 17, 18 in the league, is have really good talent around him. And obviously they don't. And TikTok boy, (laughs) that's a good nickname, TikTok boy. My girlfriend calls Zach Wilson Karate Kid uh, because he wears the bandana. So TikTok boy, Karate Kid, I'm always a sucker for a good nickname. I spend an abundance of time listening to you with my boyfriend. He loves you. And his birthday is in March. Happy birthday. Well, I guess that's, that's not near. He is turning 30. Hope to do something special. Do you have cameo? I do not have cameo. I, I, I just, I'm not opposed to it. If you told me that I could make, I, I, you know, would I do it for a couple hundred dollars? Probably not. But if I could make, I don't know several thousand a month, yeah, I I'd probably would do it. Maybe I could, but I just, it's not something I've ever thought of. Maybe I'll give him a shout-out. Send me another DM around his uh, around his birthday, and we'll give him a shout-out. But, but no cameo at the time. I know Al has been mailing it in, but this week was awesome. He basically said, I don't give a fuck, and roasted the refs the entire game. Respect him for that or what? Serious football question. How did everyone miss on Will? He is 1,000% better than Kenny Pickett. Well, he got meathead vibes. I think that was a big knock on him. Did he love the weight room? And I think quarterbacks, like, no one cares how much you lift or how big your fucking muscles are. You get paid to throw touchdowns. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Roethlisberger, Drew Brees. I mean, none of these guys were, you know, looking like some superstar with their shirt off. No one cares. And I think that is a knock. I remember hearing the year clowny, the Texans were thinking about drafting Blake Bortles. Bill O'Brien spent time with him and thought he was just a major meathead and didn't like him. And they ended up not taking him. They took Clowney instead. Now, if you could redo that, you probably would have taken Khalil Mack. But regardless, anytime you get the meathead vibe with a quarterback, part of being a quarterback, like think about uh, Jalen Hurts, for example. A huge part of his story, right, with the way we talk about him as a player is how strong he is. It's like, 
He squats 600 pounds. You can't stop the brotherly shove tush push. But no one ever thinks of him like, oh, he just lives in the weight room. We talk about him like a quarterback because all the quarterback stuff is what everyone raves about him. And when you get labeled a meathead, which is fine, like Nick Bosa's a meathead, your other positions, no one cares. They, you want them to lift a lot, right? And honestly, some guys, I've heard stories about like Trent Williams, like ain't a big lifter. And then when the weight coach will get on him, he'll like put like 700 pounds on the bench press, do a rep, be like, do you really want me to fucking do this? I, God gave me this natural strength. I'm not a big weight room guy. Some people don't need it. But with quarterbacks, like I want you in the film room. Obviously, you need to lift, but sometimes I think that knock on them. I don't think the interviews went well. I, I also love a good story. I kind of butchered that Trent Williams story, but with like an all-time great talent that doesn't like the weight room and like a young, ambitious strength coach will get on them and it'll piss them off and they'll eventually just go to the squat rack. They're like, what's the team record? And they'll look up and they'll put on like an extra 30 pounds and they'll rep it with ease and they'll just squat it and walk into the cafeteria. Like, shut up. Don't talk to me. I don't need to lift, right? I mean, it's like, I, I can't get enough of those. And I've heard it several times with different players over the years and it always makes me smile. Even though I'm older than your demographic, I'm 61. I enjoy the informative and fast-paced nature of your show. You mentioned about Al Davis not allowing his son Mark to fly on the same plane after games. Perhaps it was due to Al being worried about the planes crashing and wiping out both him and his son after the same time. My former father-in-law didn't particularly care to fly places with his wife and kids on the same plane either. Rich people look at differently as you also stayed on the pot. I hear what you're saying, and I, I, obviously that exists, that concept. That is not what was going on here. <laughs> you know. And in fairness, I witnessed an argument one time and this ultimately led to Greg Papa being fired from the Raiders because he was adamant that when Mark Davis interviewed Mike Shanahan, that it was a great disrespect to his father, Al Davis, whose mortal enemy was Mike Shanahan. They like sued each other over back pay. They hated each other. One time, I think Mike Shanahan had Steve Young throw a ball and hit Al in the head when he was playing for the when Mike Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers in like 94. I mean, they hated each other. And Bill Romanowski and Rod Woodson were there. It was pretty cool. It used to be, we used to call it the football hour. And it was it used to do pretty good ratings. And it would be like me, Rod Woodson, Romanowski, John Lund, Greg Papa. And it was just nerding out on football. And they got into this legit argument. And Mark Davis happened to be listening. And it really pissed him off. Because Greg, who was very, very close with Al, was basically talking like he was an assistant owner on the team as well, like this isn't allowed. and It led to their uh, separation and then breaking up as like, uh, you know, Greg had been, I think he was the highest paid play-by-play guy in the, in the NFL. And he was just a staple of the organization. And Mark fired him. And I, it all started, I mean, a big part of it was that conversation. And, and they were screaming at each other. Romanowski, who loves the Shanahans and Mike Shanahan, and Greg. Who, didn't, who likes the Shanahans, but just didn't think he should be allowed to coach the Raiders because of Al Davis's hatred toward him. And Romanowski had a great point. He's like, everyone was Al's enemy. Like, Al didn't have that many friends. Al didn't get along with that many people. <laughs> Al created a lot of enemies. And part of it, like Al's personality, and that, that level of guy, anyone, and you listen, you're older, 
I grew up, my, my father, if he was still alive, would be like 80. I, I grew up around a lot of older men that were born, you know, early, mid-40s. And that generation, and Al was older than that, but similar mindsets. Just kind of an edgier group. <laughs> I would say a group that didn't forget some shit and held a lot of grudges. And obviously the richer you were, the worse it could get. And Al, by any means, relative to normal society, was rich. But from NFL standards, he was not. And I think a big part of it was him and Mark you know, just weren't that close. It was not... And I don't even know... As you get older, you realize, like, what is a normal relationship? There, there is no perfect relationship. There is no... Like, what you see on Instagram ain't real life. We all got issues. We all got problems. There is no perfect way to parent. There is no perfect way to be a husband. You know, there's no perfect way to do anything. But... I, <laughs> About the Mark Al thing, I, I do think it was, there was a lot of animosity there, I guess is the best way to put it. I bet a lot of people listening or watching have been in an accident. I bet a lot of people have been into an intense car accident. And let's face it, not knowing who to call for help is hard. Hiring Morgan & Morgan is easy. Because Morgan & Morgan is America's largest injury law firm with over 100 offices nationwide with more than 800 lawyers. They've recovered over $15 billion for over 300,000 clients. Morgan & Morgan has a proven track record of fighting to get you full and fair compensation. They've been fighting for the people for over 35 years. Submitting an injury claim with Morgan & Morgan is so easy. That's the key. Not having representation is hard. Fighting with Morgan & Morgan is easy. If you've ever been injured, you can check out Morgan & Morgan. Their fee is free unless they win. For more information, go to forthepeople.com slash John or dial pound law, pound 529 from your cell phone. That's F-O-R, thepeople.com slash J-O-H-N or pound law, pound 529 from your cell phone. This is a paid advertisement. Commanders fan here. Was curious about your thoughts on how. Not sure how much Commanders football you've watched this year. I, I watched, you know, I'd say give or take half their games. But I like what I'm seeing. He, he definitely looked good the other day. And I saw Jonathan Allen say he should be the quarterback of the future. Which, listen, that's what teammates say, but that's one of your best players saying that. I, I don't think he's wrong. I think Sam Howell is pretty talented. I, I think a lot like Baker Mayfield, this version we're seeing right now, he's proven like he's he should be in the league a while. Now, is he truly a high-end starting quarterback? Because that's kind of where you get. Is this a guy that I want to be my starting quarterback for several years? Or is he a guy that's like the best backup in the league? That, that to me is like, I, I don't know. Hard to judge him this year. Leads the league in sacks. Definitely has a good arm. Definitely is a pretty good playmaker. I would say a lot of positives. I wouldn't put the guy in the pro ball, but I definitely wouldn't put the guy in the fucking outhouse either. Uh, I think he's earning an NFL career for a long time. Now, a guy like him, you know, depending on how the season goes, do you guys draft a quarterback? I don't know if he's good enough if a new coach comes in that he's, you're definitely not drafting a quarterback. But he's definitely good enough where other teams would be very, very interested in him. Like, he's better than Heineke. And like I said, I like Heineke. Still kind of do. So I, I don't really know what to say beside, like, it's gone better than people that probably bet against it going would have said. But I would say it hasn't been seamless. I remember the Eagle game, he had a bad pick. But listen, 
Picks happen. Mahomes throws bad picks. It's it's football. It's hard. I, I would say I'm, I'm positive on the guy. Definitely positive on the guy. Would want him on my team. Ideally as a backup because you would want a better quarterback. Any chance the Niners can fire Wilkes midseason if they don't improve fast? No, they don't have anyone else. Problem sometimes with firing why you know why coaches I think don't get fired midseason is because you don't have anyone else to try out. That's why a lot of head coaches, even maybe an owner by now knows he's going to fire the guy. Like with Mark Davis, the reason it was pretty easy for him not to just let the season go by and then fire Josh McDaniels, because I think he wanted to give Antonio Pierce a tryout. If Antonio Pierce didn't exist and they didn't have a guy, I don't think he does it. I just think he lets it play out the season and then fires Josh after the season. I think a lot of those players were telling him, I think Antonio Pierce is the best coach we have on the staff. I think that's why he did it. But if you don't have that guy, either as a head coach or as like an assistant for your coordinator, it's hard to make a change. If Josh McDaniels ends back up in New England, I'm going to find a new team to root for. It's over for Belichick and all his guys. Robert Kraft gives you the Patriots tomorrow. Assuming a top five pick, what do you do with the shit show? I guess it's not a shit show. You can't win forever, but what would you do? Totally agree. If Belichick were to survive and he brings back Josh McDaniels, it's like, what are we doing? It's just the same shit over and over and over again. It's no different than Josh. What did Josh do when he needed a quarterback? He went and got Jimmy Garoppolo, who was hurt and not playing very well. He couldn't have done anything else. He couldn't have like traded up and gotten Anthony Richardson. He couldn't have done just something different, but they can't. They can only do one thing. This would be crazy because I'm not from Boston, and my first move would be firing Bill Belichick. Ideally, we would mutually depart or just go our separate ways. Or hell, I would even trade him for like a seventh round pick so he could keep making his enormous salary to the Washington Commanders or to some other team. I ideally wouldn't want to fire him, but Bill Belichick wouldn't be my coach anymore. It'd just be time. It's time. It's the way life works. This is not like other aspects of our lives, right? Coaching, you have a finite amount of time where you get to be your best. It does not last forever. And Belichick's run lasted way longer than anyone would have imagined. When Tom left, like, kind of over. He got a couple years, more than that, to see what he could do without him. It's not going well. He's now over 70. He's single. Just go do something else. Or if you want to coach, I'll I'll trade you to another team for a seventh-round pick. I'm not even going to ask for anything. I'll let you go. So I don't even, quote-unquote, have to fire you. Because I would not want to fire him because of what he's meant to that franchise and always will mean. Because if you are a Patriot fan, and if you're definitely if you're my age, so you got to live through all the sweet moments, Bill played a huge role with Tom. The trick plays, the situational football, the coaching advantages, like a huge point of difference for that franchise was coaching. And he was the head coach. Obviously, Tom was the, you know, the trigger behind it all. But but Bill played a very, very large role. Now, part of the pie between the two of them, Tom might have been 65, Bill 35, but you couldn't plug anyone else in there with Tom and expect the same results. You know, maybe Andy Reid or some other coaches, but if I just gave you Josh McDaniels or Matt Patricia or Brian Flores, just all of his other assistants over the last decade, I'll promise you this, you do not win three Super Bowls. No fucking way. 
you don't win three Super Bowls, even with Tom Brady. And you went to other Super Bowls. Remember, you lost to the Eagles. So I, I hate, I feel like we end up just talking so much crap about Bill, and I think it's a little unfair. Okay, we'll end on that. So I would get rid of Bill. <laughs> Pretty crazy. I think when Jerry Jones took over the Cowboys, he fired Tom Landry. So crazy things happen. Adios, everybody. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. See you. The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.